Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim with a special holiday edition of Forum from our archives. Coming up, the pandemic hit when income inequality was already high. Now it's put millions of Californians on the brink of financial disaster. We look at what's needed to blunt the impact of the recession and create an equitable recovery. Then Roman Mars, host of the podcast 99% Invisible, likes to tell interesting stories about things that appear to be very uninteresting, like stop signs and freeway lanes. With the coronavirus limiting our ability to travel, Mars joins us to help uncover the gems surrounding us in our own neighborhoods. That's next, after this news. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Without more economic relief, hundreds of thousands of Californians will lose unemployment benefits at the end of the year. By early next year, millions could face losing their homes, as the state's eviction moratorium is slated to expire February 1st. Here to talk about the magnitude of the state's economic crisis triggered by the pandemic is Sarah Bone, Vice President of Research and Senior Fellow at Public Policy Institute of California, which just released a report on what needs to be done so that Californians hit hardest by this recession, low-wage workers, people of color, women, can recover quickly. Sarah Bone, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Mina. What do past recessions tell us about what those hit hardest by them face in terms of impact and recovery? So this has been a year of unprecedented crisis, and we often think about every recession is different in some way. But what I would say is, you know, every recession, major recession in California is the same in the sense that it has exacerbated divides in economic opportunity where low-income families see larger drops in income, take much longer to recover than higher-income families. Uh, And we are repeating that pattern today, uh, the the current data and and conditions suggest, perhaps even worsening it. And one of the things that you made very clear in your report was that there were a lot of people who were already struggling before this pandemic or who had just recovered from the previous recession. How did this differ geographically? Yeah, it's it's an important consideration because California is so large. Um, we have such diverse regions uh, and sectors. Low-income families 
basically had barely recovered across the state before this recession hit. And in general, across kind of recessions over the past 40 years, low-income families took about a decade to recover. So, you know, putting mm -hmm. that puts us, you know, 10 years after the Great Recession, just barely having recovered. Um, and that's actually driven that even that uh, pretty dire level of recovery is, is driven by the results in the Bay Area, Los Angeles that were really kind of um, ahead on recovery, especially for low income families. So, you know, we see the far northern parts of California, inland California, both the Central Valley and Inland Empire, and took much longer for low incomes to recover about 12 years. And you mentioned that while this pandemic is, of course, unprecedented to some extent, that recessions generally follow a similar pattern. One thing that is different uh, is just the number of people who can work remotely or how remote work uh, has gone up so dramatically as a result. Does that affect the disparities? It absolutely does. And I think it really brings into sharp relief the reality of our labor market that was already there in terms of the divides and kind of the nature of work, the opportunities for work across the spectrum. So, you know, we see, you know, that's really contributing to kind of the, the disparity in outcomes so far this year where low income families, low workers in low income families are much more likely to be out of work. Um, their unemployment rates are, you know, 25 to 30% this year. And I'm talking about families um, in, in, in the kind of the bottom 10% of families that are earning about $30,000 a year or less. Contrast that to the statewide unemployment rate, which is 9%. So low-income families are doing, you know, having a much harder time. And, and high-income families where they're able to work remotely um, uh, and, and kind of maintain the status quo in terms of their labor market uh, conditions um, are much, much less likely to be unemployed. And if you have questions about how the economic crisis triggered by this pandemic is playing out in California, you can join us at 866-733-6786, or you can also email us, forum at kqed.org, or post them online at KQED Forum. So one of the things that your report also mentions is that at least from March through July, poverty likely did not increase. I mean, what do you think have been the most effective interventions in California that staved off, in some cases, financial catastrophe that need to continue in the short term, in the short term? The evidence so far suggests that federal expansions to unemployment insurance, safety net programs, and stimulus checks that many families received were really the key things that staved off increases in poverty, especially through the depth of kind of what we experienced this year and you know, the middle part of the year. Um, some of that has already expired, like the unemployment insurance kind of supplemental benefit of $600 a week expired this summer. But nonetheless, the federal government funded much much of the expansions to workers who would otherwise not be qualified um, to receive unemployment insurance benefits because they may be self-employed, they may be gig workers, have less work history, that kind of thing. Um, and that in total, those unemployment insurance benefits uh, brought in about $110 billion uh, to California, which clearly helped families um, make rent, um, you know, just get by, um, mm -hmm. but also brought resources into our economy that kind of we're, we're also, we think, really supporting the sectors that we're still able to function um, or function as close to normal as possible this year. And of course, we're talking with Sarah Bone of Public Policy Institute of California. So that those were the things that needed to be done to address the the impacts of the recession 
in the short term. But one of the things that you also talk about in your report is what needs to be done in the long term to actually create a more equitable recovery to try to improve the speed at which people, low-wage workers, people who are hit hardest, recover. Can you talk about sort of what the short-term and long-term priorities need to be? Sure. And in the short term, we focus a lot on stabilizing things. And we're still in a, you know, a really dire circumstance where economic activity is constrained. We want to make sure that families, businesses are kind of able to get through this um, until we see a COVID-19 abating and we can kind of return to normal. So, you know, what I mentioned about unemployment insurance, safety net benefits is one way to target um, that near-term kind of stabilization effort. Of course, directing resources to businesses that have been hampered by this recession is also critical. And the federal government has, has directed resources to that, but the state is also working on you know, leveraging private investment um, through what we call public-private partnerships to help direct more capital to struggling businesses. Um, I, I would point to also in the near term what we we need to be thinking about how how Californians will get back to work. Will their jobs be there? Are sectors undergoing structural changes and kind of what they're going to be looking for in their workforce? So that we need to actually train more Californians for different kinds of jobs. The state can play a big role there because uh, you know we've direct a lot of state resources to the educational system, including community colleges. Um, the other piece I would point to for kind of near-term issues is, is the care sector. Um, we've seen how the closure of schools and childcare facilities has hampered um, labor force participation among women, especially this year. Uh, and so thinking about how we get as many Californians back to work as quickly as possible will rely on what we do in that childcare sector, especially um, to make sure that it's affordable, accessible by, by as many Californians as, as possible. And of course, it uh, sounds I, like, yeah, sorry, go right ahead. Uh, sorry, I, I, uh, I wanted to touch on like over the long term, some of those same things, I think, are what we look towards um, to not just bring people back to work, but um, to really address um, economic opportunity over the long run. So I say I see education across the spectrum from early learning through kind of job training, higher education as critical to ensuring that more Californians can can be on that kind of upward ladder um, in, a, in the in the modern economy. And it sounds like, of course, all of this is only possible once we control the virus. But the other piece of this is that a lot of emphasis is on reopening the economy and bringing jobs back. But one of the points that the report makes is that that's great, but you also have to increase wages to reduce inequality, among many other things like you just pointed out. A lot of the things you're talking about, Sarah Bone, will require substantial investment while the state has basically fewer resources right now. I mean, what do you see as the biggest challenges to trying to have an equitable recovery? It is a huge challenge in the short run. California's kind of budget position um, is a little bit better this year than we expected um, because revenues, tax revenues have come in just greater than expected. There obviously was a lot of uncertainty this year in those kind of projections. So that gives the state some flexibility, especially this year, to kind of shore up its budget, to direct resources to, you know, families, businesses in, in need and kind of stabilize things um, and also inject resources into the, the education system. Um, but ongoing for, you know, ongoing issues in our budget, 
budget will continue to constrain um, state choices on, on what and what they can do in terms of making these long-term investments that we think could really move the needle on, on inequality and economic opportunity. Are there, silver linings is a hard word to use here, but are there things about this particular recession? For example, we've often heard that it's laid bare the disparities or or the fact that California generally seems to at least, uh, California seem to have an appetite for more government intervention. Do those things help us? That's a good question. I, uh, my My feeling on that is, you know, that this recession has highlighted the inequalities inherent in our economy, but it is, it's a really complex problem that has frankly been growing for 40 years. Um, and we know some things that work. <laughs> um, we have solid research um, on certain investments, um, but we, you know, maybe haven't, you know, implemented that at the scale or with the kind of effectiveness that that is needed. Um, we do, PPIC regularly surveys Californians and we regularly find that um, a, a pretty a strong support for the state doing more to address the gap between rich and poor. Um, in our latest, um, the latest survey where we asked this question was in September and we found 59% of the state overall agreed with the statement that the state should do more to reduce the gap. But there's a lot of variation, you know, especially um, in terms of kind of partisanship leaning. Um, so there are really fundamental differences in views about the role of government. Yes, and of course, a lot will depend also on federal support. Indeed, I, I think, you know, especially in the short term, federal support, you know, what Congress is talking about right now, and we're really anxiously waiting to see where they'll land on stimulus, um, it, it's just going to play an outsized role, um, given the, the constraints that not just California, but all states face and not being able to run a deficit. And, you know, local governments also kind of face the same constraints or potentially even worse, um, where that can constrict kind of how things operate at the at the local level and the kind of services and supports that, that we all have access to here. Well, Sarah Bone, thanks for this snapshot of what's happening in California now. I mean, of course, it's one of those things where the trajectory of this recession, we'll have to wait and see, but but hopefully some of the advice in your report will be heeded. Sarah Bone, Vice President of Research and Senior Fellow at Public Policy Institute of California, really appreciate having you on. Thank you, Mina. Appreciate it. Up next, Roman Mars, host of the Design and Architecture podcast, 99% Invisible. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.